Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me, where I'm your host for a creepy double feature every night in October. Come join me, won't you? Tonight is October 23rd, my friends, and this is a Childhood Nightmares Night on 62 Horror Movies. Um, We're going to talk about two things that certainly scared me as a child, and I'm sure I'm not alone. First, we are going to watch the long-lost 1980 Disney horror movie, The Watcher in the Woods followed by the iconic television series Are You Afraid of the Dark, which aired in the 1990s. I'm so excited. So, The Watcher in the Woods is a movie that I saw when I was very young. Uh, It was one of the movies that my uh, mom had... uh, made a copy of on VHS during her time working at a video store back before they uh, did copyright protection on VHS. Um, So I saw it at a very young age, and it scared the daylights out of me from the opening credits on. I'm just going to put on some of that opening credit music while I talk. always a good idea, I think, for opening credits in horror movies when you have something that seems innocent and childlike that this, like this sort of music box thing, Uh, but then there are these creepy, ominous notes that come into it, and it's a really good uh, barometer for what you get with The Watcher in the Woods, uh, which was directed by John Howe, uh, who directed the amazing haunted house movie the legend of hell house which was released in 1973 um and that was why he was hired to direct this movie because legend of hell house was such a great horror movie um but the watcher in the woods is kind of an anomaly in the disney canon and that it was uh well first of all it's based on a, a novel called a watcher in the Woods uh, by Florence Engel Randall, which I've actually never read and uh, should get a copy of, um, just because I'm very curious. Uh, That novel was released in 1976, and in the late 1970s and early 1980s, Disney as a film studio was kind of lost. Um, They had... like they weren't making the iconic films that they had become known for, and they were striking out in all these different directions to try and find new ways to gain an audience. And they went through this very brief phase where they um, decided to make movies for young adult audiences, not aimed specifically at children, and they decided to make a horror movie. Uh, the only one that they officially made, uh, and that is The Watcher in the Woods. 
this film is almost impossible to find. Um, it was rele- it's been released on DVD twice, first by Anchor Bay Entertainment. And if you can find a copy of that DVD, that's the one to get. Um, it's been out of print for ages and can get pretty expensive, but it has so many special features, including the alternate endings that were made for The Watcher in the Woods. Um, after that was discontinued, Disney put out their own DVD version of The Watcher in the Woods, um, but it had no special features whatsoever, very bare-bones release. Um, the Watcher in the Woods is not available on Disney+, Plus, the streaming service, and uh, they've said that they have no plans to add it to Disney+. Plus. So uh, I will not be resubscribing to Disney Plus until they add The Watcher in the Woods. Um, I was sure they were going to add it for this Halloween, but nope. Um, very, very disappointed. Um, the Watcher in the Woods is, has some genuinely terrifying moments and uh, a really uneasy, creepy atmosphere, which again, I think is a tribute to uh, the director, John Howe. Uh the making of this movie was very fraught. Um, this movie was a box office failure. It cost, in the end, with reshoots, $9 million to make and only made about $5 million of the box office. So from a financial perspective, it was a total failure. But it really, in subsequent years, has become a cult film, I think, because of folks like me who saw The Watcher in the Woods when they were a kid and just never forgot it. Um, so The Watcher in the Woods has that sort of classic setup for a horror movie, specifically like a haunted house kind of thing where a family moves into this big old mansion uh, in England uh, and the mansion's been uninhabited for years, and it's owned by um, Mrs. Aylwood, uh, the old woman who lives out in the, the small cottage now, um, and she hasn't lived in the house since her daughter Karen disappeared on a dark and stormy night decades before. And Mrs. Aylwood is played by the legendary Betty Davis, um, who is great in this movie, as she always is. Uh, Betty Davis, all throughout her career, right up to the end, took her work very, very seriously and just was kind of incapable of half-assing a performance. She really always gave it her best and really looked down on actors and directors who didn't weren't taking the work as seriously and working as hard as she was. Uh, John Howe, the director, said in an interview, uh, you couldn't play a scene with Betty Davis and not really think and not be on your toes as you just wouldn't have any impact on the scene at all. Um, and there, there's a younger version of her character, Mrs. Aylwood, that appears in this movie. And originally they were going to try and using, like, hair and makeup and camera effects to have Betty Davis play the younger version of herself as well. Betty Davis was 72 years old at the time she made this movie, and they did all the the makeup and filmed a camera test as the younger her. Um, and uh, Betty Davis and John Howe, the director, watched it, and John Howe said that, you know, the makeup and the camera work made her look like in her 50s, but not 
in her 30s or 40s like she was like the character was supposed to be so it was up to john howe the director to inform betty davis basically that she still looked too fucking old and the way he broke it to her, he after they watched the test, every everyone else left the screening room, I'm sure, very, very quickly, except for Betty Davis and John Howe. And John Howe said, Betty, I don't think you've made it. And Betty Davis took a long drag from her cigarette, uh, as she was wont to do. And Betty Davis then said, you're goddamn right. Again, I love Betty Davis. She was a treasure. Um, She has one of, I think actually my favorite epitaph of anyone that has ever lived. Uh, The epitaph on her grave says, she did it the hard way. And it just sums up so well who she was. Um, And and she's right. Uh, She never took the easy route with her career. She fought for better roles, fought for more interesting work, um, all throughout her life, uh, even in her, in the twilight of her career, of which her performance in The Watcher in the Woods, uh, The Watcher in the Woods is a part. Um, so Betty Davis is in this movie, and it's a creepy Disney horror movie, so if you're not sold by now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, and everyone else in this movie is very, is very good. Um, uh, another interesting thing is that this movie shares several filming locations in common with the movie The Haunting, directed by Robert Wise, released in 1963, including the, the mansion that they used as Hill House in The Haunting is in The Watcher in the Woods. It's not the main mansion that the family lives in, um, but it's a man, it's an old crumbling house that uh, one of the other characters he meet later lives in. So as this family move, uh, moves into this house, they start to notice strange things happening in the woods, feeling watched, um, sort of strange lights appearing in the woods. And then there also starts to be what seems to be a ghost, this young girl dressed in white with blonde hair who's got this white blindfold over her eyes and she starts appearing in mirrors screaming reaching out for help and she happens to look a lot like the main character uh jam played by lynn holly johnson uh who does really lovely work in this movie um and then were strange words start to appear written backwards again usually in uh glass mirrors windows the word narek um and the younger uh child ellie played by kylie richards even adopts a dog which she names narek and so the as these sort of supernatural events start coming to a head um jan and starts trying to figure out the mystery of what's happening in the woods and why these creepy things are happening. Um, And that leads to, I think, a really great ending um, with great, great special effects to which a lot of money in the budget went. However, the ending that you see when you watch uh, The Watcher in the Woods today is not the original ending. Uh, The original ending uh, showed what the Watcher is in a much more specific way. 
And that's kind of a general rule of, of I think, horror monsters or, super, or horror supernatural beings that the less you show, the more effective it is. And in the original ending, they went way, way too literal with showing what The Watcher was. Um, and they released this movie in 1980 with that original ending and just got savaged by the critics and audiences. Everyone hated this fucking movie. So they actually pulled it from, uh, pulled it from theaters after, uh, I think... A, a week or nine days, something like that. And they re they rewrote and reshot a completely new ending, which John Howe actually did not direct. It was actually directed by a man named Vincent McVitie, uh, McVitie, uh, sorry. And, uh, but he's not credited for it. And I think the ending that they landed with, with The Watcher in the Woods, is actually really, really effective uh, it explains what's going on in, in a sufficient way while keeping the nature of the Watcher still kind of ambiguous, still preserving that sort of un, unknown creepiness. Um, and they released the, re-released the movie a year later in 1981 with this new ending and actually did get some, some positive reviews for it um, and... D did okay with audiences, but still with all the reshoots and everything, budget was nine million, only made five million, so it was sort of classified in the books as an abject failure. Which I think is a shame, because I do think The Watcher in the Woods is a really great horror movie for young people. Um, it's a great gateway to horror, and it's a movie that, when I watch it today, it still kind of unsettles me. Um, there's some really great stuff here. It's a forgotten classic, I would say. Um, as I've said, you cannot stream The Watcher in the Woods on Disney+. Plus. However, in my research, I discovered that Some Kind Soul has uploaded the whole movie to YouTube. Um, so I'm going to put that link uh, in the description for this episode so you can watch this movie. And uh, as a bonus, the alternate ending to the movie is actually on YouTube as well. So if Disney Plus is not going to release this movie, then you just we're just going to have to go to YouTube. Sorry, Disney, not sorry. So enjoy The Watcher in the Woods, my friends, and we'll come back and talk about our second feature of the night. of the most terrifying 30 seconds of a child who grew up in the 90s life. The excellent opening credits to Are You Afraid of the Dark, the Canadian horror TV series for children that aired on America on Nickelo in America on Nickelodeon in their Saturday Night Snick lineup. And I loved that Are You Afraid of the Dark was always the last in the lineup on the latest at night. Um... I, 
I loved this show so much growing up. I still love it today. Um, was has been a huge, huge influence on me as a horror writer um, and just general spooky person. Um, every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark starts with is entitled The Tale of Blank. You know, the tale of the twisted claw, the tale of the nightly neighbors. And that is why in my regular podcast, Going Dark Theater, every episode is titled the same way. You know, the tale of the lonely lights, the tale of the Black Dahlia um, is directly because of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which I'm sure every is a reference that everyone gets, um, I hope. And in the book that I'm currently writing about the ghosts and legends of my home state of Delaware, when I sent sort of the the half of the manuscript I had written to my editor just to see what she thought of it, um, she wrote back, uh, and in she wrote about my introduction for the book, and she said, it was a great combination of Are You Afraid of the Dark and also Delaware History. So I felt very seen by that, um, and also like realized that I had a really cool editor. Um, so Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, was, made, was a Canadian TV series created by DJ McHale and Ned Candle, and they really wanted to do um, a horror series for chi- that was for children. Uh, and they landed on the title, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which I think one of the great titles uh, for a horror anything series or TV show. Um, and with that idea and with the idea that Every episode is a story told by the Midnight Society, which is a group of kids who somehow all manage to sneak away from their homes in the middle of the night on weekends, I'm assuming, um, to go into the woods in this clearing where they've got a fire pit and they tell each other scary stories. Um, one One of the Midnight Society tells a story each episode. And... What's interesting about those stories is that every member of the Midnight Society, especially the the original cast that was there for the first five seasons or so, all had their own distinct storytelling style and um, themes in their stories that they all that they returned to again and again, which I think is a really great detail. Um, for the Midnight Society, and, you know, there's always a little introduction, and then when it's time for the story, there, you know, the character telling the story gives a little bit of a tease as to what the story is going to be, and then in the vein, as a homage to Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone, they say, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I will tell you the tale of the blank, and they throw this magic dust on their fire that makes it all the flames shoot up. And fun fact, that magic dust that they throw on the fire to make it, like, spark really big is actually non-dairy coffee creamer. That shit is apparently really flammable, um, which is someone who 
has to do non-dairy coffee creamer because I'm lactose intolerant as I get older uh, is a little unsettling. Um, the fact that, you know, that shit is very, very flammable. Um, but, you know, whatever. So, Are You Afraid of the Dark originally ran for seven seasons. The final two seasons had a largely different cast and I don't think are as good, but still good. Um, but it's really those first five seasons of Are You Afraid of the Dark that have the episodes that people really remember. And there are episodes of Are You... I mean, many episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark are actually still genuinely scary, have really, really unsettling imagery in them that you... I don't think they'd get away with going as far as they did in the 90s if this show were made now. Um, there was a, a three-episode revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark that was released on Nickelodeon a year or two ago. I still haven't watched it. Um, I'm not sure I want to, honestly, because um, I love the original so much, and I, I feel like I, I'll just be disappointed. Um, but I want to talk about a couple of my my favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the ones that stuck with me. Um, incidentally, I did watch the very first airing of the first episode of this show. Um, it started with a pilot episode called The Tale of the Twisted Claw, which is, um, of course, uh, a twist on the, monk on the idea of the monkey's paw set on Halloween night when these kids go to a witch's house in the neighborhood and get more than they bargained for. Uh, the Tale of the Twisted Claw aired on October 25th, 1991 on Nickelodeon, and I vividly remember watching it. And a year later, um, they, in, uh, they started doing the regular series, uh, starting in uh, the fall of 1992. Uh, so a couple of my, f of my favorites. Um, we have... I think my still my favorite episode, and I one I remember vividly watching, is the tale of laughing in the dark, which has Zebo the clown, uh, and I love it because it's these these kids who um, go to an amusement park, and there's this this spook house um, with a clown, and it's sort of a walk, you know, one of those walk through haunted houses that you go through. And at the end is Zebo the Clown. And Zebo the Clown was actually a real person who burned to death many years later, uh, many years before, um, in the spook house. And then it was rebuilt. And legend says that his ghost still haunts it today. Uh, and uh, in the tale of, laugh of laughing in the dark, one of the great... Uh, guest performances is by an actor named Aaron Tager, who plays sort of the carnival barker for the the haunted house. You know, pick the right door and you'll go free. Pick the one, the wrong door, and there he'll be. Um, and he also plays the voice of Zebo the clown when Zebo haunts uh, the the kid who steals Zebo's nose, whose name is also Josh, by the way, um, which, you know, also freaked me out as a kid. Uh, and that character also smokes a cigar like Zebo did, so it makes you wonder if, you know, the carnival mm -hmm. barker dude is actually a ghost as well. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones. Um, 
couple other interesting ones that I think are notable. Um, there's the tale of the lo- two ghost ones. There's the tale of the lonely ghost, um, which is actually, I think, very much inspired by the Watcher in the Woods. It's kind of the same kind of concept with a young girl who's disappeared and is on the other side of the mirror um, and needs to come back. And there's a mother character who's been around waiting for her daughter to come back for decades. So it's kind of a ripoff of The Watcher in the Woods, but it's very, very effective because The Watcher in the Woods is a very good story. Um, let me see. Uh, you also have one of the famous ones, The Tale of the Pinball Wizard, which is one of a couple, very, very few Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes that actually does not have a happy ending, um, has a very dark ending. Uh, let me see. I'm just literally scrolling through Wikipedia um, to find my favorite ones. Another great one is The Tale of the Frozen Ghost, which was very exciting in the nine, for a 90s Nickelodeon fan uh, because it guest stars Melissa Joan Hart, uh, who at that time, was famous for her Nickelodeon show, Clarissa Explains It All, and would later go on to have a second successful TV series, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um, that has the ghost of a little boy who appears, and he's all blue, and he just keeps saying, I'm cold, I'm cold, and it's really good, really creepy. Um... Let me see. I'll just do do a couple more. Uh, the Tale of the Doll Maker is a really creepy one where uh, children are turned into these living dolls um, and they just look very, very unsettling. Uh, the Tale of the Ghastly Grinner has one of the most terrifying monsters that Are You Afraid of the Dark ever produced, launched a thousand nightmares. Uh, and perhaps one of the most notorious episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark is the tale of the dead man's float, where some kids find an abandoned swimming pool in the basement of their high school, and soon they find out exactly why it's abandoned, because it's haunted by the ghost of this bloody, gory-looking skeleton creature ghost thing that emerges from the water, Total, total nightmare fuel. Oh, it's it's mm-hmm. great. It's super great. Um, they also did really great vampire episodes on Are You Afraid of the Dark? A um, couple of them, including The Tale of the Night Shift, um, which is about a hospital, um, and The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors, where the family that moves in next door seems to be vampires. And there's also a really fun episode called The Tale of the Midnight Madness, which actually incorporates the silent film Nosferatu into its narrative, uses clips from it, and has a real-life uh, monster Nosferatu that then comes out of the screen. So that is a handful of some of the many great episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark... I think is streaming if you have like that Nickelodeon channel on Prime, but who the hell does? Um, you can buy the episodes very cheaply uh, in volumes, uh, either on 
iTunes or Amazon Prime. Uh, they are not in release order, which is kind of a shame. But each of them, each of those volumes usually contains about four or five episodes, and they're usually like six or seven bucks. So they're worth it, um, and you can buy episodes individually. Um, you know, so if there are just certain ones you're interested in, you can buy those individually for like a dollar ninety nine or something like that. Super, super worth it for the childhood nostalgia and the adult terror that Are You Afraid of the Dark brings. So, enjoy some Are You Afraid of the Dark, my friends, and we'll come back and close out the night. My friends, thank you for joining me once again on 62 Horror Movies. We're getting close to Halloween now. Next time, we are going to watch two movies about stupid teenagers doing stupid things on Halloween. We are going to watch Hell Knight and Night of the Demons, two 80s classics. Should be a fun time. Until then, my friends, happy Halloween.